Thank you for joining us on the podcast. We look forward to conversing about overcoming fear. And uh, we had this discussion previously and we look forward to just talking about our own fears and how to overcome them. All right. So why don't we start with this? Um, what is your greatest fear? I'll start with Sandra. Greatest fear? Mm, wow. Just jumping in. Mm. Yeah. Let's just jump right in. We're not even going to warm it up. Windmills. <laughs> warm it up. Windmills. Let's jump right in. That's, yeah. That's my Wind style. turbines. <laughs> There's so many fears, <laughs> but greatest fear. Um, uh, the first one that came to my mind that I'm like, one of my greatest fears yes. is just the, just the death of my parents. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it, which is crazy. Cause it's something that is bound to happen, yeah. but right. I am very afraid of that moment, that phone call or that just getting the news. Yeah. It's, it scares the crap out of me. Mm. Yeah. And it's crazy because I it's something that I it's gonna sound very morbid, but I, I think about a lot. I, I think about a lot. And so I've had to just walk myself through that mentally. Just yeah. It, but it's one of my biggest fears. That would be yeah, very intense. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I was gonna say I don't have any, but I'll feel like an asshole after. <laughs> um, probably the death of my partner. Yeah. Wow. Like I better cash out before he does. Mm, you're mm. so selfish. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I appreciate that. <clears throat> Just leave that shit on me. I know. <laughs> you're welcome. I thought about that too because I think about it, I'm like, yeah. would I rather? Would I rather die first so that I don't feel the death of my parents or would I rather leave my parents with that? Mm. And yeah. I, I, I rather them die first. And oh, that's, hell yeah. The, no, yeah. Their pain. Their yeah, their pain. Yeah. Yeah. Would that's be greater. Other, yeah. Other situation. All right, Sebastian. Um, I've worked on my fears quite a bit. And I don't have a... Uh, <clears throat> Fear of heights. I do. I do still. It's mitigated largely, but I. I I'm not a. I don't love heights. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't love them. I don't think any of us love them. Well, I have. I mean, I have. I good, don't, I have I good don't. friends that look for shit to I jump think. off of. Right? They just it's something the that's high the gets water. them excited. Uh, I'm not that guy. Hmm. Um. But I wouldn't consider that. I, I don't. I don't know. What's the one thing that, like, if it happened to you, it would crush you? Loss of a partner, loss of business, loss of... Uh, I don't even want to mention what that would be. <clears throat> Something I don't want to... <clears throat> Not because I fear it, but just because that will be pain. Um, yeah, I, nothing is immediately pulling up, which probably means they're... I either have deep therapy to still do and I'm in denial or I processed through it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I have an answer on this one. Deep therapy. Sounds like deep therapy. Let's get into it. <laughs> um, I think my, I think my deepest fear would be if my, if Emma grew up and was like, didn't look up to me. Oh, was like, mm -hmm. dad, you're not really like, like, I see all these other people winning and you're not really winning. Like if she were fear. to consider you a loser. Like yes. A yeah. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, with those 
things being shared. Um, what are ways to overcome fears, ways to overcome something that you're, you've been wanting to do, but you're just hesitant because ah, you're afraid of. There it is. I have it. Uh, what, what is, is it? it? Therapy. Thanks, being Frank. trapped here. What do you mean mm. being trapped here? In this realm. Mm. Which I know can't happen. So, but the thought of that makes just seem. It could happen. Ooh, spooky. Uh, yeah. We could become a mortal eventually. We still wouldn't, still wouldn't be advantages. trapped. Why? Huh? The only way I'd get trapped here is if I didn't finish my work on my own, my own volition. I decided not to leave, which isn't going to happen. Mm. I'm out as soon as I get my work done. Really? <laughs> That's something you're looking forward to. Yes. Do you believe in heaven? Uh, for the sake of our conversation, yes. Right. Okay. By being, <clears throat> once you're done, like, do you think you'll be done with your work in this lifetime or will you come back uh i'm thinking i'm getting close to final form just based on the things i'm experiencing but mm. i would say it, it could be a few more my, my point is more related to being stuck here beyond what is useful mm. I, yeah i think that i think within 20 to 40 years um scientific advancements will be so um advanced that we'll be able to live you know to very high numbers. Probably. Like if you watch Altered Carbon, it's a great sci-fi on this yeah. kind of topic, this idea where we're mm -hmm. able to take our consciousness and move it into essentially a disk or a yeah, a, a file. A longer lifespan is going to be enabled um, easily, maybe to 200, 300. I think so. Which, which has its own implications. Death is a gift. It is a gift. And, and is a we gift. would be in a much better, we'd be in worse, worse shape if death wasn't a thing it was probably the biggest act of mercy that we have in this realm mm -hmm. which it's is what funny. i'm saying if you were immortal and you were stuck here yeah and couldn't go home be like fuck it's you funny like um, your body if you were 200 years old what do you mean your body what about it it could be perfect could it yeah methuselah lived in 965 i think adam comes in clocks in at 955 the early days early days it's funny i've had this conversation with salvana and other people she has a friend that doesn't want to have babies because she doesn't want to bring a baby into this world i could see she that. thinks it's like evil and there's so much like bad stuff in the in the world i'm the pretty sure she's not the only one the change that thinks that way was that i said i don't think she's the only one that thinks she's that the way only one. not the 50 million <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> people. TikTok people that are like, yeah. who the rich. <laughs> she definitely didn't hear that from anybody else. Yeah. No. She came up with that idea. It's a fun fact. Them. We're getting into this interview two days ago, comes in, and one of our favorite questions to ask is, what is the thing you've had to overcome that you are most proud of? Or like, mm -hmm. what's the biggest thing you've had to overcome? Never mind, they couldn't spell the fucking word right, but their answer was capitalism. Oh, what? Yeah. yeah. Coming into a business saying capitalism is the worst thing. Like, do you know how fucking brainwashed? I'm like, where? Like, Jesus Christ. Who's capitalism? Oh, I'm not even a conspiracy theorist, and I don't even believe in the commies, but I have a feeling someone is brainwashing the fuck out of a generation of people. I think so. How in the hell? Yeah, capitalism. That was his biggest struggle. Yeah. Give me your car. Give me your car keys. Give me your clo the clothes on your back. Everything that's created through capitalism, and then see how you feel about that. 
sit here, have a sandwich. The shelter, <laughs> the shelter <laughs> that you have, everything, like literally everything that you're using every single day is developed by capitalism. It, when you hear this, what, when, and, and yeah. I don't want to get too off topic, but what I hear is I am desperately looking for an excuse to justify my existence. Mm. Or my result, I should say. Mm. So now we can come to like big global statements. Capitalism think- is the reason why I suck. Capitalism is the reason why I can't pay my bills. Capitalism is the reason I, I struggle. No fuck stick. What do you do with all the people who learned and found a way to make it? They just all got lucky. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and sadly, when I ask that question, more often than not, I hear some version of that. Yeah, they just got lucky. Oh, Jesus. Oh, you're, you're in a tough sitch. <laughs> Trapped in your own making. Anyway. What about them blaming like entrepreneurs <clears throat> consistently about their woes in life? Like I'm broke because an entrepreneur won't pay me more or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Well, who's paying the entrepreneurs? <laughs> the government. Yeah. I had that interview too. Literally this guy comes in and goes, yeah, I want to run my own business. Well, oh, yeah, that's cool. So how do you feel about working on a commission? Oh yeah. I don't really do commission. Oh really? You don't want to do, you want you want to run your own business though. Like who's going to pay you? Uh-huh. Well, the government, the government will pay me to open up a business. I'm like, Jesus Christ, we are mm-hmm. primed and ready for socialism, aren't we? No, Jesus you paid the government Christ. to open up a business. <laughs> Where does this shit come from? Which isn't to say, and this is a different podcast for a different time. I'm not saying there aren't issues with capitalism. There, there are, are issues, right? Yeah, and I, I can, I can absolutely get the sentiment of some people that are like, hey, this is fucked when you have people worth $200 billion, $300 billion, and other people can't pay their bills. I get the sentiment. It's just the victimhood of justifying your fucking lack of result based on, you know, like your success is not being held down by someone else's success, mm-hmm. right? You are not not rich because Elon is. Right. It's just like, fuck, like, what are we teaching people? Mm-hmm. And to, in, in this day and age, there's so many opportunities out there. It's ridiculous. You know, it, it's easier to be a millionaire now than it's ever been in history. Now, oh, yeah. Well, you could flip that and say, yes, but being a millionaire doesn't really mean shit anymore. And that probably is true, too. <laughs> but Yeah. Anyway. What, what do you mean by that? Millionaire doesn't mean shit. A million isn't what it used to be. No. Right? Like. Um, no, not at all. That's to me, that's still like upper middle class. Mm-hmm. That's not rich, rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a million yet, but next year I will be, I think. So, yeah, it's yes. awesome. It's um, all very interesting. Um, but you're right. I, I hear this a lot. Like when it, somebody reaches a million, I'm like, they're like, I need to get to 10 million to feel yeah. comfortable. Well, and there's a, there's a psychosis to that too. There was a big study that was done that like how much money is enough. And it didn't matter whether the person was making $50,000 a year, $100,000 a year or a million dollars a year. They all said double what they were at. All of them. So it was yeah. like it, it didn't seem to matter how much your income was. Uh, Double was was how it got better. So let's bring this back to overcoming fears. Right. Um, the fear so of capitalism. Molly was mentioning the other podcast. We should mention something about business. Mm-hmm. So day, what, what is what is a fear that we could all overcome? Or do you think there's a common fear that people need to overcome in business that would tremendously help them? Rejection. Rejection. Rejection, getting started. Hearing no. Mm-hmm. Just say it to yourself in the mirror. No. <laughs> no. Which is like, I don't know. No. It's, it seems like a, a modern problem. Like, I don't think people back in the day feared rejection. Really? Mm-hmm. Because they were overcoming so many other issues. Like, right. Yeah. You're not wrong. Storming the beaches of Normandy. <laughs> right. You know, like, right. I'm going to, I'm going to be afraid to talk to someone. It doesn't make sense. I wouldn't make sense to them. I don't think. Yeah. But. What are some other fears in business that people should overcome? 
Rejection. Failure. How do you overcome rejection? You get rejected more and more and more and more so you could get used to it. Yep. Yeah. Just the repetition of rejection, I think, will build that hard shell of it so that it's like, okay, just rolls off and go off to the next one. So. I think I think people deal with it differently. I, 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 and the way what, what would work for one person would work differently for another person. Mm-hmm. So I think like dealing with rejection for some people, I think I would surmise that having that person have a goal of rejection as opposed to a goal of whatever the result they're trying to achieve is would mm-hmm. be probably better for them. Like, so for example, like trying I, to go get rejected. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So like. I need to get rejected 10 times a day. That's my goal. Not like I need to make this much money or whatever the case may be, but I, my goal is I need to get rejected 10 times. Mm-hmm. And then as a byproduct of that, usually what happens is like people make sales, they get more opportunities, whatever the case may be. But if your only goal is just, I just want to get rejected. It's like, I got rejected. Awesome. Cross one more rejection off my, uh, off my list and then go to the next one. Mm-hmm. The issue, I love that in many ways. I have an exercise I take our guys through. I'll share in a second, but... The issue is if you focus on rejection, you're going to get rejection. Yeah, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. It's in your Which, But you're, you're yeah. not wrong when you're saying if your goal is to get rejected, then it's more palatable and you can get used to it. I don't think it's like you're not doing that necessarily to get to reach a certain goal. You're just doing that just to get yourself over the hump of fearing rejection. Right. Because it's better to just go out and get rejection than to wait for weeks at a time. To like get out in the field or whatever the case may be. Well, the so, thing is, like, why are people afraid of rejection? Because mm-hmm. it it hurts their ego. It's personal. Yeah. It's so personal. once you get personal. over the personal aspect, like it's not personal. Mm-hmm. And so if you're focusing on, hey, I need to, I need to get rejected. I need to get rejected so I can get over this, get over this, get over this. That doesn't remove the. It's still personal to me aspect. You've got to work on mm-hmm. like what's in here and what's in here to understand right. like that's not personal. This just wasn't a fit for that person or I didn't approach them in the right way. So mm. what am I going to do to adjust? And what I want to focus on is how many people that can can I get to say yes that I get in front of. Say that's a little yes. game that I like. I'm kind of curious what your, mm-hmm. your philosophy is on this. When somebody says no and maybe they give up a certain objection, do you just move on from that or do you try to keep being persistent and overcome that objection? I usually wait for three no's at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also don't typically see objections for what the person is saying mm-hmm. that it is. Uh, objections can be a buying sign as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, True. if anything, it's, so it's a buying sign because they are literally putting themselves in the shoes of like, what is my life like if I this if right. you sell me this if i'm going to purchase this right or if i'm good and i need to do a better job of painting the picture to make sure that they understand like hey this objection isn't mm-hmm. relevant this is what's going to happen this right. is what your life's going to look like right yeah i'm i have the philosophy that like it really depends on the situation but if somebody is just not interested just leave them alone that's my my personal preference but well yeah and there's um like if they're just saying no up front like no, I don't have the time. I'm not interested. Yeah. I don't want to talk to you. Like that's yeah. one thing. But if mm-hmm. I've built relationship with them and we're already kind of established of like, hey, this is something that could be a benefit. And yeah. then there's a, an objection. That's where I'll like, okay, let's break this down for you real quick. Yeah. One, one objection I have, I'm like, there's a key sign that they're going to buy something is I'm not going to buy anything today. That's a key <laughs> sign. Like, cause they're telling themselves, I'm not going to buy anything. I'm not going to buy anything. Cause they're used to buying stuff. So they come up to you and they're like, I'm not going to buy anything. And it's like, okay. 
But typically whoever is more certain of the outcome is going to win. So if you come into the conversation saying, hey, the reason why we're doing this today is to establish if there is a benefit, like if so, we're going to get this done. Yeah. And then you're already setting the tone that you are going to buy something today if we figure this out. (laughs) Yeah. When I'm not getting through to someone, I've learned this from you, actually. Um, You either stay silent, let them talk and just let them sell themselves or you go into something other than what you were talking about. I mean, if they, if they keep mm-hmm. giving objections, like, I'm not interested. I'm just not going to buy. Okay, cool. How's your uh, daughter, by the way? Um, and then you just talk about something else. It gets their, like, it resets their mind weirdly enough. And then you can go back to it eventually. Mm-hmm. But, it, like, it's, it does this weird, like, reset of... Like, what you're doing is building rapport. You're, you're, yeah, what you're doing is building rapport. And, and, and we'd like to make decisions with people we like. Mm-hmm. So very often, like, we teach our guys... You're not representing the brand. You are the brand. You're selling you. Right. So generally, and we, we, you know, as a company, we, we represent some of the biggest brands in the world. So they don't really need to be sold. What We're you're doing genius. is yeah. learning how to sell you. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Once you learn how to sell you, they'll buy anything you have to sell. But it's it's building rapport with the person where they feel like this is somebody I know, like, and trust. Right. So if, they, if they're saying no, go back to this person needs to know, like, and trust me. Right. So somewhere along the way, that's broken. Right. And, and the, the personal rejection piece, there's an old saying that two egos will never meet. And we like, as humans, we are, our sense of self-import is insane. It's incredibly high. And we walk into a room and we think everybody's thinking about us. They're looking at us. They're judging us. When in fact, we can backtest the fuck out of this in our own experience. Mm-hmm. Nobody's, nobody's mm-hmm. thinking about you. Yeah. You're like, you're not important. So nobody's judging or looking at you at all. They're all thinking about themselves, which is amusing to me. And once you realize that, it's like, get over it. Like, they're not saying no to you. Yeah. What's that meme? Like, uh, uh, when you're like in your 20s, you care about what people think. In your 30s and 40s, you start not to care about what people think. And then in your, you know, beyond those years, you realize nobody was thinking about you at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's yeah. a painting that came up when we were in Cancun. Cause I saw it on the wall of this uh, Argentinian restaurant we were eating at. I think his name's Fabian Perez, but it's one of my favorite paintings. And I will have an original in my house at some point. And it's a picture of all of these young men looking at this beautiful woman dancing um, at a bar and they're all looking at her and there's one older man who's got his back to her and to all the young men just enjoying his drink. <laughs> and it's such a beautiful it. representation of what I would consider wisdom and life experience, right? It's like not chasing that shit. Like, no, nah, I know who I am and I'm comfortable with who I am. So everyone else is turned to drink. Yeah, I'm <laughs> enjoy my wine or I think he's drinking wine, but. Um, so let me add something real quick though, because about rejection, um, for those who tactically are trying to get over rejection, here's three things you can do immediately to practice this. Um, number one, walk into any, any restaurant or anywhere you purchase small business, wherever it is and ask for a 10% discount. And wow. The key here is do not give a reason. Do not justify it. Just say, hey, can I get a 10% discount? Two things are going to happen. One, you're going to hear no, and that's okay. And two, you'll be surprised how many people don't say no. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? And I've done this even at Starbucks. And like, like the person doesn't even ask this guy. Yeah, sure. Why not? Like, beautiful. 
So that's yeah. one thing you can do when make a purchase, just ask for a 10% discount. That doesn't mean people aren't going to tell you no. That's the whole point. Get used to hearing no, but you'll be surprised how many people don't say no. And the key here is not to argue mm -hmm. and not to give a reason. Just ask for the discount. Second thing you can do, if you find a, a beautiful man or beautiful woman that you would genuinely like to talk to or get to know, walk up to them and ask for their number. Now, if you are in a monogamous committed relationship, do not fucking call this person. <laughs> if they give you your number, it's the exercises in doing it. Right. Right. And so you'll hear no there too, but you'll be surprised how often you don't. You'll get more comfortable walking up to perfect strangers. And mm -hmm. so that's something you could do. And again, if you're in a monogamous committed relationship, burn the fucking piece of paper as soon as you get it. Or I guess it would probably go in your phone in this day and age, but delete it. Uh, and the last thing you can do is... Uh, COVID notwithstanding, um, go somewhere that is fairly busy um, and break a social norm. So there are certain social structures that we mm. use in our society that the, hum the human animal wants to follow, right? So it's fascinating how we behave in mm. around other human beings. So somebody starts a line, for instance, that is not where you're supposed to be. Right. Well, most people won't even though they obviously know this line is not the right line, it's over there, people will start lining up behind the person who's out of line, right? Because they don't want to break social norms. They're more concerned about what the other fucking people think than recognizing, right. fuck, stick the lines over there. <laughs> Which is always amusing to me to see who's going to be the one that's going to go, mm, that's stupid. But here's something you can do that's a bit awkward and probably would scare a lot of people. You go into like a, an open park where there's lots of people around or into a plaza where there's lots of people around or maybe even into a larger Starbucks where you're not going to necessarily break traffic. Lay down in the middle of the, the, the middle of the area and start counting to 10 and then get back up and walk away. Most people don't even they can't even think to do that because it's so awkward and it breaks so many social norms mm. that it's like, I, like ah, I can't do anything that seems awkward and weird. Right. So when you get used to your own self autonomy and you're you're not worried about it, you won't care. I've been with Hannah twice when she's done that. I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> So Hannah did that. It's funny. <laughs> well, because what you, you'll learn a lot about yourself. Like, yeah. why is this so awkward to me? Why is it weird to lay down? Why is it weird to talk out loud? Like, why the fuck do I care what other people think? Right. Why is it such a big part of our, and it, it'll help you understand how humans think and why they show up the way they do and why they're so easily controlled and so easily manipulated. Hmm. Noam Chomsky wrote a really great book on this topic called Manufacturing Consent that talks about the human animal and why we show up in this way. Right. Um, <clears throat> for me, like I think courage is an, as a muscle and you have to exercise it consistently. Mm -hmm. um, in 2018, I think it was 2018, I had a four line dialer and I was making like 150 something calls a day, five days a week. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I remember the feeling of like making these calls consistently every day and then stopping. And then I would have to go back and it would literally take me like hours to get back on the phone. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to get rejected. And, but if I was doing it every day consistently, it felt like nothing. Like I was just, right. whatever, it was no big deal. That's actually how I got in contact with you was a cold call. Mm -hmm. Um, and if, if you stop, you have to understand that you have to get back into that routine again. So do something to put it in your schedule consistently mm -hmm. where you're always doing it every single day. You're always getting rejected every single day and then it will feel like nothing. But understand that if you stop, you're going to have to 
readjust again. Momentum. You're going to have to get back to it again. Yeah. Like literally it was like five days. I would make 600 to 800 calls. Like literally felt like nothing. I would stop for the weekend on Monday. I'd be like, yep. I don't want to fucking do this. Yep. Right. Cause I was so scared of doing it. And so just add it to your routine um, and make sure it's consistent. Mm -hmm. Nice. And once you be, once you lose the fear of rejection, you become all powerful <laughs> in the circle, whatever you'll have the most influence, whatever room you're in. Mm -hmm. And you see this over and over again, right? Just you, you release that because then you generally are the most present person and you're, you're going to be more effective in influencing people. So learning yeah. this skill early on is important. I don't know if it's just me being an only child. I have no clue, but I've just always been able to overcome fear. I don't know what it is. Um, it doesn't matter if it was like, if I were if in my group of friends, if I had a, a friend that was like just more confident, more whatever, attractive, whatever the case may be, I would always win out because whenever we would go out, I would always approach every girl out there um, mm -hmm. because I just I just overcame fear more. And it's like this guy is like like he's chiseled. He's got like he's so successful, whatever the case may be. It'd always be me with walking away with the numbers because I was be I just like I'm just gonna go and approach. I don't care. I don't know if it's just the only child in me. I I have no clue. But I've always been able to just make it happen. Like I was able to to leave like a very traditional career and jump into business without even hesitation, without even thinking about it. Nice. But it's like, is that innate or is that something I developed over time? Um, I, I would suggest we always do what we value most. So mm -hmm. if somebody shows up in fear and they're letting fear stop them, that fear means more to them than whatever's on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. Like not all values are created equal. So if we're, if we're allowing fear to mitigate a decision or using fear to not make a decision, I would say we value that fear more than we do whatever's on the other side of it. And well, that, that getting in touch and understanding yourself right. in that way can help you understand, well, what the fuck do I really value? You know what right. I mean? That's right. like where, like the, I, I use this example in the business a lot, where if I put a, an I-beam, which is just a very large metal beam across the floor, and I said, hey, anybody walks across this beam, I'm going to give $100. Everybody walks across it, even the guy in the wheelchair is trying to flip up and get <laughs> on it because there's no risk and there's $100 on the other side walking across a 30-foot right. beam, Right. But if I put that same beam across the Grand Canyon yeah. and I say, hey, now you get a million dollars if you walk across this, there'll still be some crazy ass who's like, hell yeah, I'm in for a million dollars. But most people would say no, would say no because they value their life and the fear mm -hmm. of death more than right. the million dollars. But if I put a, if on the other side of that I-beam was your entire family or whatever the hell meant the most to you yeah. and there was a bomb that was going to go off and you were the only one that had the code to save them. I would like to think most people wouldn't even think twice. They'd run across that fucking beam as fast as they could to save their family, right? So we always do what we value most. So if something's stopping you, it's like, okay, well, why is it that I value this more than that? Right. What I was going to say too is that I was just thinking in my head, um, I feel like there's times where if it's just me and I'm afraid of something and there, there's like nothing else tied to it, like I'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to overcome that fear. Right. But whenever there's something that's on the line, whether it's business related or relationships and somebody else is depending on me, I don't think twice. Mm. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so there's also something to be said about people are in their, their season, right? So sometimes they have specific fears that you may think are ridiculous, but 
they have to overcome come them in their own way and it's not good to judge those people right um Mm-hmm. And I think we talked briefly about this. Yeah, it's right? never really it's never really useful to judge anyone. Of course. Of course. <clears throat> judgment creates separation, separation creates isolation. You can't influence that which you are separate from. So staying away from judgment in general Agreed. is going to be effective. Agreed. And everybody's Agreed. learning different lessons. Right. So the, the worst thing we can do is invalidate somebody's experience. Mm. Right? Like here's where it gets tricky for some people. Your experience has absolutely nothing to do with truth, capital T truth but it has everything to do with what you are feeling and experiencing. So just because some, and this is why we very often want to invalidate somebody's experience is because we feel like to validate it would be to tell them what they're believing is true. Hmm. And so, and and sometimes we fully recognize what they're believing is not true, right? But that doesn't negate their experience. So when we can learn how to empathize and show compassion towards the person's experience, regardless of whether or not they're full of shit, Right, in the in the objective sense of the the world, then we now have the ability to influence, and we can help them walk through their fear. When when people are trying to overcome fears, or have to overcome fears, or you have to coach people through those fears, do you oftentimes see yourself in them? Like I used to be there, or I will. That's empathy, right? Is yeah. see the world through their eyes. Like right. if I grew up this way, would I see it any different? Mm-hmm. So, and that can help you be more compassionate mm-hmm. and understanding with somebody who is stuck in something. Hmm. Like, well, would I see it any different if I grew up this way, if I had these experiences, if I had, had this, this wound? Right. Um, you know, that, that to me is important in understanding and relating to helping people diffuse fear. Because a lot of times, and sometimes this is ap- appropriate, it has its place in the, in the meta, so to speak. But... A lot of times our way of helping people get through fears is get over it, pussy, or just do it. That's right? what, and, how men talk to each other. Right. And there is yeah. a place for that. I'm not saying that's never the right call um, per se, but that generally doesn't help somebody process yeah. the fear. And there's an opportunity to understand yourself better if we can explore it together. Now, depending on what the fuck is going on, we may not have a convenient time to sit down and have a little 15 minute therapy session on what the hell is going on. Cause we got to get the hell out of here. Right. But if there is a time to process, allow the process to happen because then they learn something or you learn something. Right. Hmm. Interesting. And that will help unpack the fear and, and release it. Yeah. Cause we don't come in. It's really interesting. As far as we can tell, we don't drop in here with many fears. No, we don't. Right. We, we, inherit, like, we pick them up. Emma, Emma has no way. fear. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> kids generally don't, but what we, what seems to be the case yeah. uh, from a psychologist standpoint, the, f- the things that we naturally fear, um, one is the fear of heights falling or falling specifically. specifically yeah. The, the fear sounds. of falling, um, <clears throat> loud sounds. And I think there was one more, but I may be wrong. Spiders, dark. I'm just oh, I hate spiders. I'd like yeah. to say public speaking because so many people are afraid of it, but I don't know if that's inborn. But certainly, loud noises and the fear of falling. Yeah, we seem that seems to be. I definitely have arachnophobia. Seems to be inborn. That might be because when we drop into a heavier dense density, the energy of the third realm, those are things that are foreign. Mm. The uh, gravity is a foreign mm. concept everywhere else, and loud noises are a foreign concept. What do you mean, gravity else. is a foreign concept? Mm-hmm. Meaning, once you leave three D, yeah. the, the first three dimensions. Yeah. As far as I can tell, Are you talking about M theory. Oh, anyways, go ahead. Um, as far as I can tell, uh, gravity is no longer relevant. So maybe that that sense, that sensation of falling, is unique to this world, which is mm-hmm. why where it's an inborn fear of, and then noises to the same degree. Hmm. 
I don't know, just thinking about it. Yeah. But so to me, that's a discovery point where if somebody is afraid of something, mm -hmm. I now get an opportunity to learn about them. And I find humans to be incredibly fascinating. So it's curious to me when somebody's afraid of something, well, you, where did you learn this? Why are you this way? How did this yeah. happen? Speaking about gravity, have you heard of M theory? And when you say that it's not registering anything no. immediately. So, mm -hmm. okay. Um, Oh, it's probably another topic of discussion. But, but frame it so we can come back to it. What is it? I don't know how we can relate it to this, but it's just so interesting. Um, so in um, mathematics, theoretical physics, you can't really make sense of a three-dimensional world mathematically. It doesn't make sense. No equations work out to, to make this world make sense. Okay. So, But what does make sense is, I believe it was 10 dimensions? 11. We know 11? there's 11. 11. On a scientific level. We don't we know, know it. We don't know. It's a theory. Yeah. Theoretically, yeah. we... But mathematically... Up to 11. And there th in, was it 11? And we surmise there's up to... I, I was just reading about this. Okay. Well, one theory says there's an infinite amount of dimensions that they... But, but yeah. um, I think we... I, we know for sure there's more than... From a scientific level. The problem is, is that the very tool that we're using is part of the reason why we're not seeing it. Because it isn't sufficient to see it. Mm -hmm. It's like the mind that got you into the problem isn't going to get you out. Right. Um, and science so much depends on the first three dimensions that without that, it has a hard time. The scientific but theory the, is incredibly the, based on the first, the three first dimensions. step you need to take in theoretical physics to prove something is to prove it mathematically. Right. So in mathematically 11 dimensions makes sense. Like it's mathematic and mathematics is like, you can't get more objective than mathematics. So 11 dimensions make sense. Three dimensions in no way. Like if you encompass all of the forces in nature, it doesn't make it, nothing equals to. Why is this called M theory? I'm familiar with this, this thought process, but I've never heard theory. it called M theory. So the theory is, I think that <clears throat> everything's made up of strings and there's. Well, I'm familiar with string theory, but yeah, I think it's like M theory too. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah. So they've, like theoretical physicists are actually working on this. They don't make any money doing it, unfortunately. <laughs> like, but like they they have this theory that there's eleven specific dimensions. There's time dimension. There's correct. There's all these other dimensions, and it makes sense. Yep. Um, and once you start understanding things in that frame, it changes how you look at the world. Right. Right. But that that's more of getting out of the embodiment of being human in three D. Which a lot right. of people are still working through, so. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things we have not discovered yet. There's a lot. Oh, you think? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I think, I think, yes. <laughs> um, there, yeah, I would there, say so. There's, I mean, I think it's going to be scary like 100 years from now what we're going to be, what we're going to know that we don't know now. One of the things that gets me really uh, excited is we had, we went through this phase where we separated, for good reason, spirituality or religion and our counter to it was science right and part of it was religion was running rampant it was used to control people there was a lot of bs in it and so you know darwin comes along and many after him and and it really was an antithesis to religion which is why for so long you see science kind of have this disdain for religion and very often you see religion have a disdain for science because they it was a reaction to well, an overabuse of religion, right? But there was a lot of really beautiful spiritual truths and understandings that we intuited as humans throughout the ages that were lost in that because we became so obsessed with the first three dimensions and only being able to believe what we can see, mm -hmm. which is 
hopefully to everyone is asinine at this point to think that if, if we can't see it, it's not real. And I don't mm -hmm. have to give infinite amount of examples of how silly that shit is. But, but what's happening now is we're moving back towards a marriage of science and spirituality. And I think at some point we will see them coexist in a very healthy way where we recognize science's place, <clears throat> especially in operating in the first three dimensions, but we also understand deep spiritual truth. And part of that, I think quantum physics is beginning to explain scientifically things that the mystics have known for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And so there's this reblending. The amusing part of it is that something in the human experience needs a God to serve. And we just switched names, right? So we had our monotheistic gods and the religions of the Torah. So it's Judeo Christian and, and uh, Islam. Um, and then we had the polytheism, right? So we have these, this side of religion one that we just created a new religion, which is science. Science, is. science has become its own religion. And, and instead of, bowing down and bowing our knee to some god we can't see now we just bow to science science is the religion and scientists are the the pastors you know or the mullahs whatever the fuck you subscribe to and it amuses me because it has just as many errors in it and there's just as much arrogance in that right it's the same mistakes over again but we're comfortable with it mm -hmm. because uh, it seems more logical there's an overhaul of like probably 70 80 percent of scientific theories every hundred years get, they get disproven. just completely yeah dis I know. completely disproven which is but which people is, subscribe to it because there's a modality to it or a process to based it, yeah right that makes the mentalist go well i'm more comfortable with this because my arrogance tells me i'm mentally intelligent so if i can mentally ascend to this then it must have some merit of truth mm -hmm. which i find amusing because there is there's many different kinds of intelligence Right. And one of right. them being your ability to think critically or to, to think about your world. And it's a beautiful kind of intelligence, but it's not the only one. And it's very arrogant to think that it, what the only thing that's real is what I see in the first three dimensions. Hmm. Right. But, and so and we're waking up to that because we're finding the more things we can't explain, the more humbled we become. And that's the process we're about to go through. So buckle up, buttercup. Yeah. It's about to happen in big ways where shit starts showing up on earth in ways that's going to fuck with science so bad. And I can't wait. It's happening all the time. We just, the mind doesn't know what to do with things it can't understand. Well, just scientifically, one thing you can't prove in quantum physics is gravity. Right. Mathematically. It just doesn't make sense. When you look at quantum physics molecules, that's why it's still gravity called, makes no sense. That's why it's called still called a theory. Yeah. Which most people don't even know. Theory of gravity. Mm -hmm. Yep. Theory of relativity is a theory of gravity. Albert Einstein made that. But it's it's crazy. Um, There's a lot of things we take for granted that we that we really don't understand. That's operational truths, mm -hmm. which amuses me. The other like evolution uh, is another one that like just baffles me to no end. Um, which which isn't to say evolution doesn't have merit, right? We can observe certain things uh, like microevolution. That's an obvious thing. We can observe that. But the, the bigger issue is the idea that anyone could think that all of this came from nothing without intelligent design is like, how the far up your fucking ass is your head? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even understand how that's a... No, evolution proves God's use more, more than disproves it. it was, well, here's, the, here's what I always explain to people. I go, you see that car parked next to the, the tree? And I'll go, yeah. I go, which one of those is man-made? I'm like, well, the car, obviously. Uh -huh. I'm like, okay, well, how do you explain the thing next to it that is infinitely more complex being an accident and the car next to it right. was man-made? Right? Would you just, would you look at a car that just showed up here and go, wow, evolution's incredible? No, you mm -hmm. go, no, it obviously was designed. Right. Well, like, how the fuck can you look at the tree, which is infinitely more complex and has much better design and go accident? Right. 
Like it just doesn't. To be clear, evolution is proven, but um, I, I hate the deniers of evolution. That's weird to me. What part of evolution is proven? The evolutionary theory, like the idea that we came from slime. No, that's not evolution. Right. Evolution is a very you're, complex. You're talking philosophy. about the the process in Science. which things evolve. Yes. Yeah. Of course, that yeah. could be observed. That, that's one aspect. That's a theory within evolution. But the how things evolve is is proven for sure. You have uh, natural selection, allopathic speciation. One hundred percent. But what we've never seen and been able to prove to this day is speciation, which is a completely different topic. Mm, we have proven that. No, that's why it's still called a theory. You guys probably need like a whole episode dedicated yeah. to yeah. spirit, so science, and theories. Spe speciation is the idea that at some point along the way, one species became another, which goes all the way back to this idea of slime turning into something, and then that something turns not, into a... speciation, though. Of course it is. No, it's not. It, speciation is the change in allele frequencies over time. Which creates... No, no. So... Which creates... <laughs> No, it doesn't create another species. It just creates a different form of the species. Okay. Like it's different. It's like well, so we're, I think we're saying the same thing. It's the difference between microevolution and macroevolution. One yeah. is very observable and very obvious and very uh -huh. true adaptation, which was halt Darwin's point. Uh -huh. Even Darwin on his deathbed made some 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 pretty incredible claims about what he actually believed about it. Mm -hmm. What I'm referring to is this idea that there was this big bang that led to this energetic release that created the perfect concoction on this one planet in which chemicals came together and bore life. That life then evolved into many different forms, including parasites and worms and eventually fish and fish turned to land breathing. Like that shit like makes me laugh my ass. But that's off. not, yeah, that's not speciation though. Speciation is okay. Um, I may be in probably getting so, off topic. But. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, so speciation is, um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is just so interesting. Um, so speciation is, let's say you have, let's say we're a species, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, an attribute that belongs to me is I have a great suit, right? Mm -hmm. And you have a white shirt. She has a black shirt. She has a beige shirt. Let's say that's an attribute that's genetic. I'm just saying that just for, as an example. Well, if it, so all speciation is, is me as a gray suit attribute person that I have this gray suit. I go and I read with another person that has a gray suit as well. And then we go to another island and then we have a bunch of gray suits. That's essentially what speciation is. Adaptation. That's adaptation. What is the definition of speciation in evolutionary theory? There you go. Exactly what I said. Damn it. She stopped talking though. Speciation is the evolutionary process by which a population's evolved to become a distinct species. Agreed. That's that is exactly what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, okay, look. So what I'm saying is okay. you have a bunch of gray suits, right? We go to a separate island and then we, but it's, uh, we're all the same species, right? But I just have a different attribute. There, there's multiple different ways to, to look that's at it. That's the exact opposite of what that's saying. And that's no. my point. It's not saying that. We lost like, one. It doesn't say like. It, it's not saying that the gray suit person turns into a black suit person. It's just saying that within a population, certain people, certain like... You're talking about adaptation, which was Darwin's point. That's not adaptation. Speciation, as the definition just gave, is when a species becomes an entirely new species and can no longer mate with its evolutionary ancestor because it will not work. 
That's the part that makes me laugh my fucking ass off. Now, if God used that process in order to create animals, great. But the idea that that was all one big accident that just kind of came together is laughable to me in the very observable world. Right. So, and that's what we've never proven because in order to do that, we've never seen speciation and we've tried, like we've tried to get fruit flies to mutate so much that they become a new species and cannot, um, cause fruit flies have a very low, you know, 24 hours they're dead. So we've tried to get them to mutate so much that they can no longer breed with their, their familial group. And we can't, we can't make it happen. So that's the part that I'm referring to. Make sense? We, we, we need to, we need to come back to this. Yeah, um, we will. But Adaptation is what you're referring to, where a species picks up different colors or it has longer claws or a longer beak because of the environment that they are in. And that's absolutely important to survival and is observable. So I take no issue with this. It's the idea that we came from slime in some unintelligent, accidental way that is absolutely amusing to me. And I don't think anybody who's actually thinking would believe that. Right. <clears throat> All right. So I'm just going to make one point and then we'll just move on. Okay. So... <laughs> So what you're saying is one aspect of speciation, but speciation can happen through natural selection, which is the way I explained it, which is um, I have a bunch of gray suits. I have a gray suit. I move to another island and then I form an, another population of yes. people with gray suits. Yes. Um, that is a speciation through natural selection. That so is there's adaptation. No, no. Speciation through nat natural selection. I just looked it up right now. Look it up. <laughs> um, okay. Anyways, let's move on from this. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, okay, overcoming fear. What do you need to say? That's laughing. I've had something that I've wanted to say for, Go for it. Know, oh, I'm sorry. 15, and we're done. 20 minutes Kat, now. please just jump in. We just should like, probably cut that whole section out and come back to it in another podcast because yeah, it really doesn't quite fear, but we can, we can edit um, that. What I was going to say to Sebastian's last point on fear, on oh. like it says so much about someone when That's you see so how... <laughs> they're faced with it. Like yeah. when I think about some of the people that are closest to me and I hold dearest, like I've seen them over and over again, face their fears. Like I mentioned Hannah earlier, Molly is someone in particular that I've, I've never seen her actually um, like show that she's afraid of anything, but she's the kind of person that will be like, can you add some ice cream in my coffee for free for me? And mm -hmm. she just gets it. Like anything that she asks for, like happens for her magically. And you're just like, How, like, why did you even ask for that? Like, that's mm -hmm. so crazy. And then yeah. you in particular, I can't remember all of the different instances. Um, like one that comes to mind is like, obviously you're not a fan of blood, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you went on that Operation oh, yeah. Smile mm -hmm. trip. And I've seen you... Again, I can't remember all of the instances, but just repeatedly be like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. Like, I'm yeah. going to get over this fear. And that I just like, that. I don't, it just makes me respect all of you so much and be like, I will run through a fucking wall for you. And, and, and to piggyback off that, I realize, and, and this is part of probably my own work here. I don't have a lot of tolerance for people who are not willing to mm -hmm. face their fears. Mm -hmm. And probably for that guy, I am they probably loathe me because mm. I will ride them not intentionally, but just because of my energetic resonance, I will challenge that person so much that if they, it, and if they're incredibly stubborn and they want to sit in their fears, they're probably going to end up hating me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really don't like being partnered or having anyone too close to me. That is, that likes to hang out in a fear-based world. Yeah. As we talked about uh, a couple of days ago, fear, I don't want to say is quite, quite the opposite of love. I don't think love has an opposite to be quite honest, but it is the absence of love. Mm -hmm. 
right? And so when we show up in fear and we are unwilling to work through or deal with our fear and we worship our stories around fear, my tolerance for that person is like very low. And it, it will annoy them because I ultimately, you're still reading about speciation, aren't you? I can tell you're somewhere else. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but um, that person will probably get annoyed with me because I will not slow down to cater to fear. And that's this next season of my life is going to double down on that. I am not slowing down to cater to fear. I will not worship at the fucking altar of fear. You have, so right now you have 33 offices, correct? <clears throat> I think so, yeah. 33? What's the goal? In 50, is, 50 is the, the goal. 2022? I don't, probably 2023. That sounds more like First it. quarter mm -hmm. of 2023. Mm -hmm. 50 offices. We may get there next year because we have some things coming up that could create some explosive growth. Mm -hmm. um, but really, I'm shooting for 2023 for 50. And then that just changes from 50 to 100. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, how, how confident do you feel that you're going to hit it? Very. Mm -hmm. It's an almost certainty. I love it. But I also leave room for the divine to direct a path that may be greater than what I'm seeing. Was there any... Do you guys, do you guys have any questions, by the way? Was there, sorry, sorry, Kat. Um, so was there any fear that you had to overcome when it came to having multiple offices? Because I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kat, you came when there was like three offices, right? Or something like that. And then you were mm -hmm. here when there was no offices. So can you speak? <laughs> we literally did, Sandra and I did this together. Yeah. No, what I'm saying is like, yeah, she was there from the very beginning, right? So when there was like just one office or no mm -hmm. offices, maybe, maybe you guys were working from home. I don't know. But, <laughs> but like what was it was there any fear around expanding from one office to two offices from three offices to 10 offices or 20 offices i don't think that there was ever any fear it's it's more like exciting yeah i think it's it's more more so being able to adapt and evolve with the growth of our organization so but going from i controlled this location Mm -hmm. to I'm going to have a location that I don't really control all that much. That wasn't, I think that would be, that would cause a lot of fear in a lot of people. That was, that was the first real challenge I had in starting the business. A lot of my natural skill sets catered to what I was doing so that I, I didn't really struggle until I started uh, opening up or promoting deals, opening mm -hmm. up more offices. And the, the, the critical error I made early, which was somewhat innocent, but, also a mistake was this belief that everyone was like me, that they would work as hard as I work, that they wanted the same things I want. Now I say this, it's, I realize how naive that was at the time though. It was just, I hadn't made the jump because to me it was obvious. Like, of course you would want these things. So, and I believed that I could just love people into being better people. And as a result, my organization early was more like a hospital than an army didn't have clear accountability. I didn't have clear standards. I just thought if I loved people, they'd become better people. So that was a really painful season for me. And it also helped me double down on some, some things I knew in my personal life, which was I learned how to surrender the illusion of control. Mm -hmm. And if you notice the way I run my organization, I don't rule with an iron scepter. Um, my goal is to influence and have respect and influence and drive behavior that way. And, and the fundamental organizing belief there is if Agreed. we can teach people to think right, we don't have to tell them to do right. So 80% of my teaching and the development of our guys is always around how to think, not what to do. And so mm -hmm. a lot of our guys, I think, enjoy that because I, they're not being told what to do. 
they're given clear outcomes of what we want and then we teach them how to think and we're there to assist if they need high direction but the goal is if you can get people to think right you don't have to tell them to do right yes. and then be so good you can't be ignored was born inspire them instead of require them that's a good way of putting that yeah it's more than inspiration but that's a good that's a fun saying that's a good way of saying it yeah be so good i love that i'm like that good i was just gonna say i missed parts of what you were saying there but i think the other aspect of be so good was they any of the deals that we've promoted out see how epic that we are and how much support that we provide and then especially once they get on on their own and they're like Oh my God, like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't know how to recruit. I don't know how to update this thing. I don't know how to manage my finances. Then they absolutely come back and they're like, dad, help me. (laughs) Mom, like, show me what's up. And I think that's just, you know, as a result of the integrity of how we run our business and the relationships that we've built with them along the way, like no one leaves and is just typically an island, like, fuck you, I'm off to do my own thing now. We're still very interconnected. Yeah, from a from a entrepreneurial standpoint, we offer a very unique opportunity because we have the stability and backing of working with the biggest, most well-known brands in the world. We have systems and structure that allow for high likelihood of success, but we allow people to operate as an entrepreneur and as a small business. So they're getting the best of both worlds. How did you get the big companies to work with you? Be so good you can't be ignored. When we were outperforming, uh, we... we in the beginning, when I started, AT&T had 40 internal offices that were doing the same thing we were doing. When we when we were done, essentially, or when we had finally completed that campaign, they had two, meaning we would we replaced them all because we got a better. They were like, you guys are Damn. more profitable and cost us less money than having an internal team. And they didn't get it because they're like. We're AT&T, like we give our guys vehicles and salary, like how are you kicking our ass? And like, because those things don't drive behavior. Uh Uh-huh. Right, so. That's really interesting. Reputation that. Be so good. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see everything through that lens of be so good. I'm like, okay, videos. If you can be replaced, yeah. But if you can be replaced with somebody off the street for less money, you're fucked. Right. It's like if somebody is if somebody brings real value and the excellence in which they operate is is so high, they will be protected. They will be taken care of as long as we're not destroying the business to protect them. Mm-hmm. It's like and this like we, we, we just recently had to fire someone and in firing somebody in this day and age. And I mean mm-hmm. this with all due respect to the individual, but like you really have to be fucking it up if you're getting fired right now because people need labor. They need right. good people. Right. But it's like, how am I going to advocate for somebody that I know I can get somebody off the street to do a better job and be more dependable than this person? I'm not. I'll just go hire somebody else. Everything needs to be looked at through the lens of BSG. Yeah. Be so good. Exactly it. Mm-hmm. Everything. And what, and if you are, you'll get whatever you want. Right. Well, that was the thing. Like this person kept asking for like, what more can you do for me? What more can you do for me? It's like, you're not even working full time. And like, now that you're gone, I'm able to pick up the work that you were doing in two hours a day than you were 30 a week. This all goes into business, business acumen and and business strategy. But, you know, it's good fire when production and and everything Mm -hmm. goes up once they're gone. Mm. Right. Once that happens, you're like, fuck, why did I wait so long? And that's exactly what happened. We'd like, fuck, we, we doubled our, our productivity. Almost wow. doubled. Wow. In that particular it, area. It is true. Like you, you do have to teach people how to think. I think. And they have to be willing to want to grow. Sometimes that seems like to, to some people that may seem woo-woo. 
but it's so true. Um, like, what do you mean teach me how to think? You're like, you, you, somebody with like an engineering background, like, what do you, t just show me the math. Like, show me. Show that me, is teaching them how to think. To engineer in many ways, that's easier to teach. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like four plus four Formula. equals eight. Right? Like, okay, you get that. Now, do you get that because your teacher taught you that? Or, can, or did you get that because you understand the math? Well, if you only know it, and this is the difference, right? If you only know that four plus four equals eight because your teacher taught you that, you're fucked. That's teaching them what to think. Yeah. Right. Because there's no way that's that's applicable. Like, okay, great. How many times, if all I know is four plus four equals eight and I don't know why, that's not very useful. There's not a lot of places in life where that's going to be useful. But if I understand four plus four equals eight and I understand the math, right. now I understand why eight plus, plus eight equals 16 or 16 plus 16 equals 32. I can do the math. Now I own that truth. It isn't my teacher's truth. It's my truth. Yeah. And that's so in many ways, an engineer is easier to teach that to because they get like you're showing me the math. Right. Um, when if you don't teach them, it's just going to continue to follow them wherever they go. They're going to, th those are the kinds of people that like we'll see come in for interviews and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this boss was terrible. This job was terrible. Blah, yeah. blah. Oh yeah. And then the next one I had after that. Yeah. Yeah. Also terrible management chain, blah, blah, blah. It's like what? the common denominator is you, yeah. you have not changed. You have not learned the lessons. That's the whole thing, right? Like if you have three bad boyfriends or three bad girlfriends in a row, or you had three bad bosses uh, on the rule of three, the chances it was your bosses or your girlfriend or boyfriend, uh, statistically, you are more likely to be the problem, not them. Hmm. And if your head is severely up your ass, which a lot of people's heads are, you think the outside world is somehow punishing you and you're just getting unlucky and you don't realize no fuck stick, you're creating this world. So that's teaching people how to think. Like if, in my definition of, of awareness, which is why I spend a lot of my time, you are unaware in any area of your life where you continue to get an unintended negative consequence, could be positive, but for our conversation, an unintended negative consequence over and over again. It means you lack awareness. Mm -hmm. Unintended negative consequence over and over again means you are unaware of something you were doing. You are showing up in a way that you don't get.